It's Behind the Bots Time! From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Kyle. I'm Brandon. I'm Lindsay. I'm Jeff. I'm Jason. And today on the podcast, we're recapping episode three of BattleBots Champions season two with special returning guests, Jeff Waters and Jason Woods. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. Uh, first of all, very light weekend for Combat Robotics events. There's actually nothing happening next weekend, which is crazy because next weekend there's a ton of stuff going on. So we'll talk about that next week. But as for now, we got more details on what the mysterious Discord server was that NHRL posted. So celebrate NHRL's incredible five-year journey with Havoc All-Stars, a thrilling three-day event, December 5th through 7th, 2023. Join us for epic battles across three weight classes, featuring NHRL stars, past, present, and future, along with surprise famous faces from the worlds of science, tech, and engineering. They're going to reveal who those people are in the coming weeks. This will be on YouTube starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Grab your tickets for an exclusive in-person experience at the House of Havoc, opening at 6 p.m. each of those nights. Um, if you're coming in, in person, expect a unique viewing option for a completely new event. There's a lot of weird stuff going on, and the fact that they're doing this literally a month after the World Championships is completely insane. Um so this event will feature robot combat akin to the World Cup with four groups of three combat bots, ro three robots each. The top two bots from each group will advance to slug it out in the quarterfinals and semis, leading to the grand finale on Thursday, December 7th. This is a new format for any kind of combat robotics event that I'm aware of. It's going to be really weird. It's going to be very interesting. I'm really excited to see how this comes across. Um, witness the crowning of the inaugural Havoc All-Stars champions who will take home cash prizes and the coveted new trophy joining the ranks of the Golden Bread. That's going to be weird. I am very excited about this event. There's a lot of strange stuff going on with it. I, it listen, I'm just going ahead and going to ask, does anybody have some thoughts about this event? Does anybody have some feelings about this event? It's something all new for combat robotics in general and definitely all new for NHRL. I heard there's not even a trophy. Austin is just going to come sit in your house for a month if you win. <laughs> what would he I do? Mean, <laughs> Am I allowed to charge rent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Austin's a pretty good guy to have around the house. You know, he could fix all of your IT issues and uh, like all of your, your audio visual issues that you might have. And he's like, you know, super smart and uh, has started successful businesses all over the place, I would keep him around for a while. That sounds like a great prize. Yeah, he's um, there from, and then all of a sudden you have an LED wall and your cat has a jet suit. 
And then also like someone's watching you as you cook being like, don't chop it that way. That sucks. I mean, <laughs> like the way he used to announce back in the early days of NHRL. And then you go out to your car and there's just giant googlies on the uh, Google eyes on the side of your building. And you're like, how? How did this happen? It's the magic of living with Austin, Cor Austin McCord. I love it. It is a very right, different format. So I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out. Um, and, you know, uh, it's there's going to be some really fantastic robots and teams there. It's just going to be, I think, a really exciting three days. It's going to be a, a, a three days full of all stars. I mean, that's what we're promised. That's what I hope we get. Um, Past, all present, right. future. If you had like one bot that you want to see there, what's your dream bot? Bite Force. No. <laughs> 30 Wait. pound bite force. Paul yeah. 30 pound bite force. Hashtag confirmed. Um, wow. We're breaking news here. No, I'm kidding. They're not going to be there, but that's who I would want to. No, that's not even who I would want to see there. So one, one robot I would fear going there, but kind of be hyped to see would be big Ripto came back and Kyle decided to bring that monster. Cause I know that for the longest time, it was the most terrifying 30 in the Northeast. So yeah. he hasn't done much of that in a minute. Uh, but it'd be kind of interesting to see that kind of monster come back just because it hit really, really hard. And I think with the right robots, it could just roof somebody like that. Mm. Yeah, Kyle Singer, uh, a.k.a. the guy that destroyed uh, any full combat events over at the Franklin Institute because he destroyed their <laughs> arena. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a good guy. day. We like that guy. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... At BattleBots Proving Grounds, Disarray took on Jackpot for the second time and was completely disemboweled. Reports from behind the scenes tell us that Jackpot hit Disarray so hard that Jackpot actually bent their own frame in that hit. Um, some of the photos and footage of this hit are absolutely crazy, uh, just adding more to the lore of just the insane stuff that we're seeing at Proving Grounds this year. Uh, we do happen to have a inside uh, scoop guest here that I wanted to ask about this. What the heck happened in this fight, Jeff? So another fun little tidbit that happened is one of the onboard cameras was under such a G load, it actually reset the internal clock of the camera and lost all the footage. <laughs> <laughs> there was Wait. no damage. It got knocked in the next week, literally. <laughs> That's a terrible perfect. disturbance. Like it worked it three times. <laughs> I've seen the onboard footage, and I'm super excited for that to go public. There is a uh, two cameras. There's one in the back and one in the front. The one in the front is the one that's closest to the weapon, and of course, that's the one that took all the shock load. So, awesome, that's possible. That's wild. Props to disarray. Awesome. I mean, I can't wait to see up. this. Showing yeah. up and taking on jackpots, pretty brave. Doing it twice in a row is like that's uh, quite yeah. The they repaired like, after day one. I mean, it was uh, pretty yeah, rough. After day one, it looked very similar to what it was on day two, but it uh, looks like then they got it back together for day for fight number two. So that really proves that even like they didn't really have a lot of spares, but they were making do with what they had. They got it back into the box, yeah. and it shows that like when it's time to come around and they select robots for the next upcoming season. If, it, if, and when happens, they will definitely be on that short list of bots that will be in that new rookie class. Yeah. Cause they can get it done. I mean, that's, that's really what matters at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. 
All right. So next week on Saturday, November 11th is NHRL's World Championships. The top qualifying bots from all seasons will compete for three golden brets and a myriad of cash and STEM charity money prizes for the organizations of their choice. Uh, we have several people here that are going to be competing in that event, actually. And it is going to be absolutely insane. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, but that's all for this week's news. So that brings us into our recap of episode four of the Golden Bolt Tournament, Sin City Slugfest. Um, this was some of the craziest hits that we've seen in the Golden Bolt Tournament so far, as well as some of the most fantastic destruction I think that we've ever seen. That final was possibly the most flaming, destructive fight in the entire Golden Bolt. That was absolutely insane. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead. We'll talk about that first. Jeff, how did that happen? What did you hit to cause that much flame for that long in the battle box? I hit it in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, uh, I, we got, I think, if I, if I remember correctly, you mentioned we got three inches deep into Cobalt. Ooh. But wow. you know, most robots don't even have three inches of like reach, let alone like engageable tooth. But uh, it kind of turned into a standoff at the beginning. Like I, I think I went left, Jason went right, and we kind of forced uh, John to choose his poison, and he chose. I mean, either way, he's probably going to choose wrong. It's either focus the mini bot and get hit, or focus me and get grabbed. So. He chose me. Uh, Jason got in there and swooped in, grabbed them right under his little piano keys, and uh, allowed me to get a really good opening shot on his back end. Uh, and yeah, the best send was... cut send. The best send cut send. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ever. <laughs> the best ad for, for sponsoring Jackpot and for sponsoring Cobalt. And Jeff managed to literally cut the cut out of send cut send on the back of cobalt when he hit him it was absolutely perfect if you see this picture it's on it's on facebook you you couldn't do that again if you tried a thousand times but literally cut the, the cut out of the sticker i just love that uh chris rose like teed you up perfectly for a plumber's crack joke <laughs> <laughs> and he took it and it was great well done <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, some of the more notable. F oh, go ahead. Sorry. Just the build up to that fight was insane, by the way. <laughs> Knowing that we're going in against Cobalt. I mean, literally everyone at the pitch just assumed we were going to die. <laughs> literally no yeah, I mean, the comments before this episode. Yeah, it, Cobalt's taking it. Hands down. Jackpot's going to die. So <laughs> it made it all that crazier when it went the way it did. So. Now, on the show, they keep referring to the fights as all happening in one day. I have to assume that's not actually how it went down. Did you, like, how much time did you have in between fights to get ready? I, if I recall correctly, if we were in the evening session, you were in the morning session the next day. Wow. Gotcha. So it essentially is one day. Yeah. You do have a little bit of an overnight in there, but you, like, as far as actual time in the pits, it's pretty much just one day. Yeah. Yikes. 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 I mean, if you don't sleep, it's one and the same, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kick you out at midnight is the problem. I was going to say, don't uh, they kick you out? Yeah, well, 
That's because you haven't found a good hiding place, apparently, but <laughs> we'll, <get you> there. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge if you come to it. The Golden Bolt itself was one day, though, wasn't it, Jeff? Yes, it was. Yeah. So the hey, Golden wow. Bolt actually yeah. everything happens in one day, but yeah, it's 24 mm -hmm. hour turnaround basically on, on the lead in to the Golden Bolt. And it's very hard for us considering that we had one robot. Like, right. we don't have, we didn't really have like a, oh, go back and grab this robot off the shelf and get it ready. It's like, it was okay. the same robot every time. And we were coming off a of witch doctor. So remember, it's, oh, uh, yeah. it's two seasons on TV, but we literally just got <laughs> completely destroyed by witch doctor and then put it all back together. Right and get before back this. So that's what we were running wow. straight into. That's, you're just seeing fights mm -hmm. six, seven, and eight is what you just saw for our yeah. timeline. Mm -hmm. So now we're going into gold so, nine and on. The first round of this tournament was a lot of close matchups. Um, so you had you guys versus Big Dill. So close, so hard to call. I felt so bad for the judges on that one. Mm -hmm. I think they made the right call, but man, that was tight. Um, and by the way, big props to Emmanuel Carrillo for just improving this bot so significantly throughout this season, getting yeah. it up to the snuff that it was at and putting it out there to be very competitive against a bot, the caliber of jackpot, like amazing job for that team. I cannot wait to see what big deal does next season. If they're able to come back, um, lucky versus overhaul was way more fun than I thought it would be. What a great matchup Two really fun teams, really great driving all the way around. Charles is just a delight to see every single time. Mm -hmm. Uh, could you believe how close Captain Shredderator versus Emulsifier was? Like yeah. that was. I could. I was pulling for Shred. I had. Yeah. Uh, I, I had skin in the game though, so uh, there's four <laughs> weapon ESCs inside of Shredderator, and they are all named after like me. Uh, so there was a Jeff, there was an Alex, there was a Lucas, and there was a Jono. And they, um, whatever one blew up, something bad was going to happen to them, and we didn't know what it was going to be yet. I love the idea of the ground game uh, being used for the full body spin or for the shell spinner. Really smart on their part. Uh, just couldn't get that weapon going, man, and that was too bad. Um, and then, you know, the beginning of people almost beating Cobalt uh, with Banshee versus Cobalt and then Emulsifier versus Cobalt. I love that. Um, but you guys were actually able to pull it off. Like, this was a really great episode. Hard hits. A lot of, like, down-to-the-wire fights. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed. I did not predict you guys were going to win, by the way. Um, no so very pleased that that's the way that that went down. I've always been big cheer, like big supporters of your team, and I'm very happy it went that way. I think that's awesome. All right, so we are going to get into predictions for next week's episode. So, oh. uh, Brandon, I'm the only one that wasn't there. Now, from what I understand, nobody remembers who actually even won the Golden Bolt if you were there. So maybe everybody could participate. But to be fair, we'll keep it to just me predicting. Okay. Yep. The, the great secret of the Golden Bolt is everyone forgot the Golden Bolt. That's the, that's the joy. So we all get to come back and rewatch it. And we're like, oh, that's right. That was so cool. Maybe the and Golden Bolt new. was just the friends we made along the way. Um, that. I'm sure that's what they told the uh, Endgame people when they're teeing up for their fight. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, 
Let's see. So, Sin City Slugfest 5. So we have Claw Viper versus Shatter. Whoa, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, oh, man, I'm going to have to give that to Claw Viper. Okay. Yeah, yes, go Kevin. Let's go Kevin. Very cool. And then we have Monsoon versus Gruff. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to have to give that to Monsoon. No shade to the Gruff guys. It's just Monsoon's doing really well this season, and I think that's going to continue okay and then we have ripperoni versus glitch yes that's gonna be awesome uh i'm gonna give it to ripperoni i love me some glitch but man they've really struggled this season so yeah that's gonna go to ripperoni and then finally we have hypershock versus star child oh yeah does star child still it's still a thing like it's a physical object at this point in the tournament like that's crazy i thought that it was completely shredded by this point i'm gonna give it to hypershock because um yeah i just don't know how much star child is left at this point mm. funny thing about it being an alien you don't know it's it's full mm. limits quite yet so right it could know. have full regenerative well, capabilities and just i just don't know congeals like t1000 <laughs> 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 Yeah, you it's, never know. Exactly. <laughs> so then, that leaves us with, I believe, Claw Viper versus Monsoon. Um, no, incorrect. It would be Claw Viper oh, versus Hypershock. Claw Viper versus. Wait, I'm looking at the bracket. Is that the case? We Claw Viper, Viper Shatter, Monsoon, Grapper, Brony, Glitch, Hypershock, Star Child. Yes. So when Claw Viper be fighting Monsoon next, or whoever you chose in that fight? If I recall there was a graphical glitch at the end of... Oh, oh you're right, there was. That was it. Okay, well, thank you, BattleBots. You've now made this very awkward section. Thank you, BattleBots. We appreciate you. Let me check the email, and I'll see what the actual bracket was. <laughs> they, they posted the wrong bracket? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was one on TV. It was the been, wrong one. Apparently. Been known to happen. <laughs> yeah, so oh, one that's not fun. on TV. So it is. I'm okay. looking at their real one now. Okay, real one. Very good. Very good. And so it would be Hypershock versus uh, Claw Viper. Okay, oh. so we have the speedy, the speediest boys in the world fighting each other. Which this is this is everybody wanted to see this anyway. I mean, come on, this would be too much fun. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna give it to Hypershock, but barely. Okay. All right. So the speediest boys in the world. And that then leaves Monsoon versus Ripperoni. Ooh, this would be so much fun. Um, I'm going to give it to Monsoon, but barely. Man, that's okay. going to be a big hit. Big so, you're, so you're rooting against the pizza, as I'm hearing. I am. Yeah, sorry. Bold. Bold angle I there. I know. I support pineapple on pizzas and pizza bot, but I'm I'm rooting against them. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take the storm then. Um, so then, so then we have monsoon versus hypershock. Yeah, for the for the entry into the golden bolt tournament. Um, yeah. I'm gonna give it to hypershock, but okay. only because I heard a rumor that Will isn't driving. <laughs> Alex, actually, yeah. <laughs> Really? And she's got a really good win-loss record, so well, I'm going to go with yeah, her. She won Remars. Yeah, yeah, she won Remars, man. She's a really good driver, so yeah. I'm going to go she ahead and give it to Alex. 
Yeah, I mean, respectfully to to Will and the crew, but uh, Alex is just the uh, the better Bales. Is what I'm hearing. Uh, as far as yeah, as far as driving Bales go, she is the better Bales. She doesn't have the most experience, but she's got a she's got a significantly better win loss record. At this point. <laughs> Maybe that was the strength the whole time. You uh, you like she de hypershocked. She's not hypershocked, and like the mentality going into it, so she's coming more more clean with it. Yes, right, he's Will... uh, more conservative than Will is when it comes to yeah. that, especially like when what uh, Kyle's been telling me, and like especially like with the radio setups, like Alex is like out of like thirty percent dual rate, and and a um, Will is hundred percent dual rate, and it's, you can definitely tell the difference in the driving styles. Yep. Um. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to this week's interview. So this week on the podcast, we have some very special returning guests, Jeff Waters and Jason Woods. Uh, Jason is the CEO of Chimera and the innovator of the rotary lifter design with his bot Needle, originally designed as a mini bot for Tracer, his battle bot entry from 2020. Jeff Waters is a pipe fitter and prolific roboteer and meme smith from Las Vegas. He is the captain of Jackpot on BattleBots and supreme ruler at NHRL. Jeff is well-regarded in the community for his ability to master bizarre designs and make them effective, most notably with Wumbo, a big-wheeled horizontal spinner, which, as I recall, Jeff was kind of, like, joking about and then made it, and then it ended up being a super effective bot. Um, This season, Jeff won a Golden Dumpster with Supreme Ruler, starting the conversation in the community about rotary lifter supremacy. We're excited to talk to them about this unique design and its future in the sport. We'll also talk to Jeff about his run at BattleBots this year and his plans for Supreme Ruler going forward at the NHRL final. So one of the things that we like to do when we have two guests on is have you guys kind of introduce each other and um, talk about what each other does on their team or what each other does in the community. So Jason, if you could introduce Jeff and tell us a little bit about him. Uh, this is Jeff Waters, team captain of Jackpot, and he is uh, on his third season now of BattleBots. And as you can see up here, on uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Jeff's very impressive collection of medals and awards. Uh, most people may not know that Jeff's actually a two-time state champion RC car racer, and uh, he has a very long history. At, he probably fights more different robots at more different events than any other person. I mean... Every single weekend, Jeff is at some crazy event somewhere, whether it be NHRL or some little event in Utah somewhere. He's built three different robots that he shows up with and somehow keeps them all running by himself. And uh, he's just fantastic. I mean, he's one of the best problem solvers I've ever worked with. And honestly, it's been awesome being on the Jackpot team the last couple of years. All right. So, Jeff, please introduce your team member, Jason Woods. So Jason's kind of the adult of the team. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> he makes sure that we all, uh, you know, he makes sure he gives us all in line. Uh, there's a lot of times we're like, well, we will off, you know, I'll get a while hair up my ass and go do something. And you're like, no, we need to do this first. So Jason's been really good at like keeping us ground level. He's um, an electronics wizard. Like every little thing with Jackpot has been him. Like, this whole off season has just been like, hey, Jason, there's weird noise just happened on Jackpot when I spun it up. He's like, send me a video of it. And like five minutes later, he's like, okay, I just tested it with Tracer. Here's a new tune. Go put it on Jackpot and see what happens. <laughs> and that's it's kind of in what's going on. Uh, but he's a great dude. He's um, I'm very happy that we were able to get him on the team. Like, I don't know where we just came. He came over from uh, 
And I think you were going to be on Malice at one point. And Wendy's like, no, go check out these people. And Jason just kind of fell in love with our smooth brain mentality that we have over at Jackpot. <laughs> oh, 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 good. Yes, that's uh, that's a wonderful way of describing it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we have some questions about NHRL. We're going to hand that over to Brandon. Brandon, go ahead. All right. Well, first of all, Jeff, you know, excellent work with Supreme Ruler. Um, I personally love seeing good lifter bots doing, you know, good jobs. Though at the same time, everyone's really surprised that you've sort of just, you know, taken probably the most vert, you know, spinner-heavy competition for Beatles in the world, and you've just sort of turned sideways on them and held them against yeah. the wall and set them on fire. And it just sort of worked, you know, all the way to the finals. So particularly for the, for uh, the world championships coming up in, but a short time, how are you changing ruler or what sort of ideas do you have in mind of how to sort of improve it, you know, better prepare for the competition coming up. So first thing first, we're taking this and getting rid of it. There's a whole brand new flamethrower <laughs> system that we got going on. It's going to be extra spicy. And I think that's going to be one of the things that there's a lot of bots that like fires, fires hard. And Jason's been like gung ho and like dialing in this like amazing fire robot he's working on. And you're going to see that in like 10 days. Is it really, is it really 10 days? Wow. Please don't say it out loud. It's too scary to say it out loud. <laughs> this is all I have right now for my preparation is that. <laughs> But yeah, um, as far as like that, I've just been doing lots of little, lots of little refinements since August. I went to um, since August. I went to Utah, and I went to Southern California, and they're two totally different types of approaches. Uh, Utah was very um, it's a eight by eight wood floor with a pit, so it was pretty good. But, uh, you know, the, the type of arena that favors ruler, you know, wood floors, so there's no magnets. I wasn't running cleats or anything, and there was a pit. So, you know, you kind of stall them out until the pit opens, and you go in there and drop them in. That's kind of how it went. But California was a totally opposite test test situation. There's a six-by-six six steel floor arena with some of the scariest spinners in the world in California. <laughs> like, I think I uh, fought Strider twice. Oh, so I beat, I uh, lost the strider the first time. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do to fix this? And uh, I came up with a little quick solution with some uh, armor from Gorilla Tape and some other materials and uh, was able to just kind of feed it right into Strider. And it's like, okay, well, this works. This is some awesome data that I need to take with me to finals. So it's just been slowly doing revisions here and there until uh, I'm ready for finals in a few days. Mm, very good. And actually, this connects uh, to the point you already sort of alluded to, uh, Jason. So I mentioned before about you're working on a flame bot to go with uh, with Ruler. But um, first, tell us about that. And then second, any ideas you have about potentially going to, to NHRL, what would you bring if you were to go there? Uh, so as a fan, I watch you guys literally all the time. I get, I'm always there, just silently stalking the stream. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as a fan watching the stream... I was right there with everyone going, we need more fire. Like, we're just, we need more consistent fire. And uh, when Jeff was, was recruiting for someone to help, I was like, uh, pick me. <laughs> that's really what I'm good at. I like to take little specific projects and just go just super deep dive. 
So I spent, I don't know, probably a month just deep diving fuel air ratios and combustion chamber design and that sort of stuff. And, you know, trying to optimize ignition systems and that sort of thing is kind of, kind of my, my, what I like doing. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Jeff's going you know, to let me tag along for finals. So my, uh, my first event at NHRA will be, the, be hanging out with you guys at, uh, at finals with Jeff. So pretty excited about it. It's going to be good. Oh, that's good. That's sweet. That's actually terrifying, though. Uh, fire is one of the reasons why I'm kind of content not being in the Beatles at the moment, because I realized I would make a TPU bot and it would just melt into a puddle. So well, I'm kind of excited now to see how it's going to work. That's kind of what uh, me and Jason are good at. We're kind of like looking at it. What is the current meta and what do you do to counter it? Well, how do you counter a bunch of plastic Beatles? You melt them. How do you <laughs> counter a bunch of wheeled robots you lift them in the air well you just you know, combine them together and you get this like meta breaking design that can be potentially changing the way that a lot of people are going to be doing their robots well it's interesting though jeff and, I, jeff and i couldn't be less similar because the reality is we approach things from totally different perspectives like i i just have a very rigid very structured mindset of everything i'm doing and jeff is just totally off the wall and yet we somehow collaborate very effectively in the middle so so, ah, no, that's excellent. They get that diversity of thought, and it breeds a terrifying ruler, which is now locking mm -hmm. into the finals. And so, with that, are there any bots that you're afraid of looking at the world championships? So, I'm looking at it, and I think the brackets actually dropped today. So, I know I'm going in against Kickstart. So, that'll be our first fight, mostly plastic, tiny vert. So, it should be pretty fun. Um, the things I'm kind of worried about is I was worried about Droopy. Like, I was hardcore worried about Droopy until I went to California and I fought Strider. I was like, well, if Strider hits harder than Droopy. If I can survive three minutes in a metal death box with Strider, I can survive with Droopy. So it's just, it really comes down to basically Javis and Go. Like, Silent Spring and Silent X, those undercutters, they're kind of the only thing that I'm like, super worried about because i can't lift your robot if your weapon's in the way yeah that's a good point as well um i know with like the the servo the like the beauty of that cam mechanism is everything is very tight in in the body but mm -hmm. since you have that really really long arm to get underneath of somebody there could be an easy fear about leveraging against it mm -hmm. and so uh, i think that was what's most impressive about ruler when seeing it fight a lot of times when the arms got smacked, it would flex very wildly, but it always sort of returned back to shape and is very resilient. That, so, um, yeah. yeah that, that took like two years to get right. Because mm -hmm. Ruler's mm -hmm. been around, like Ruler's first event was like November 2021. And mm -hmm. it was, once again, it was like Wumbo. It was on his joke robot. It's like I needed, so Ark was having low entries for the Arizona robot combat. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring in another beetle. So I was like, yeah, I did basically that. <laughs> use the ruler. <laughs> I use I use rulers from Staples because I was like, well, I need something metal and flat quickly, so I can do that. And I was like, well, I can get like rulers from Staples for like fifty cents. So I got a bunch of rulers and put them on these little like servo arms, and uh, that's kind of where it started. And uh, it was like surprisingly effective. I was like, how is this like beating like? Uh, I forget what I think. I fought. I fought Sandstorm. Sandstorm's a pretty scary vert. I fought a um, little Ragnarok, and somehow it is like I never got really hit. It was like, wow, there's something here, and 
we've been slowly evolving that then the evolutions that we take from that go into ace then the evolutions in ace go back into ruler and it kind of turns into like a symbiotic relationship between the two robots excellent stuff and then uh i guess one last question about sort of the small bots here uh first jeff and then for jason as well so looking forward to 2024 let's say the world championships happened ruler may have destroyed the world and the meta may be changed forever uh or maybe it just did okay and you know it's just a fun time um what are some bots that you have in mind to design to to bring to any competition whether it be an nhrl be a Utah, be a uh, California, any of those. What were some ideas in your head? So Jeff so, first and then Jason. I kind of want to do a 45-pound red rocket for Norwalk Newbot event. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, be, it's terrifying. It'd be terrifying. Like, I've mocked it up. Like, I could take one of the jackpot weapon motors and bolt it right to the propeller mount. And it would be this terrifying death blade. That's like, and I don't even want to test that at BattleBot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as like new bots, like I'm kind of like, I don't know. I never thought I'd say that. I feel like robot is out. <laughs> it's, it's so much going on between doing Destructathon and doing all this and moving. It's like maybe I just need to focus on like the two robots that I have. Like focus on Ruler, focus on Jackpot, and kind of run Wumbo whenever. Gotcha. Good. How about you, Jason? You know, I actually have a uh, full one-to-one scale mock-up of a 30-pound tracer. I was going to rebuild the whole deal, but then Ruler started doing so well, and I just was like, I think we're going in a new direction. I think if I was going to build another robot, I think it would be uh, more in the Yeti style. I think I would want like a big monster truck Yeti, but more with like a huge style weapon. Somewhere, kind not a drum, but like a four wheel, not as big as huge wheels, but like big chunky tires, some ground clearance, you know, just getting away from the ground game altogether. You know, the perfect murder weapon against a, against a camp hunter. <laughs> ah, oh, I love that idea. It, we actually been talking about an idea sort of bouncing around uh, just jokingly past couple of weeks about like uh like off-road combat. Like if we added jumps and like a terrain side of the box, Exactly. I can imagine this just launching over the opponent, landing on it, and just, you know, biting into it with a very We were talking about blade. this the other day. Instead of the shelf, like, just put some ramps in. It'll be way more fun. Like, we can just get airborne yeah. off of ramps. Exactly. Exactly. Plenty of ways to make it better. Exactly. Uh, but you mentioned earlier as well about the big bots. So, naturally, jackpot's going to come up. So, uh, first question then. What is your favorite part about how Jackpot functions now? Uh, it spins up. It didn't do that in Season 7. <laughs> <laughs> truth has the truth. Yeah, we struggled all season. And, uh, you know, part of it, we were, we, were, we were stretched real thin going into Season 7. I mean, we finished the robot, you know, like as we arrived on set. I ended up doing the fabrication myself. <clears throat> which isn't what I do. I'm not the fabricator. I'm much more the, the electronics guy and then I end up doing fab. So that kind of threw things off and yeah, just didn't, the weapon just was never right. We added so much more weapon power and it got worse. And in retrospect, I think what was happening is jackpot is always running bushings in the past and we added all this new power. And I think the bushing is just, there was no way, there was just no way to get it to work. Right. So 
Yeah, we struggled. We struggled a lot. But uh, luckily, the Gigabyte boys showed up uh, when we fought Bloodsport recently in the Proving Grounds. And Jeff, you can tell them the story. About oh, yeah. So, so um, that's basically so Thursday evening, like this, this picture this. So it's like the weekend before we fought Bloodsport. Like this is Thursday evening. And by evening, I mean like late, like it's like midnight, 2 a.m. Oh. Like so, maybe like Friday morning more at this point. I messaged Derek because Derek's on his way out to go test Gigabyte. And I'm like, I just wake up from sleep and go, Derek, what what bearings do you run on Gigabyte? We blew up our bushings. He goes, Oh, we use two inch uh, bearings from this man. And I'm like, Wow, we run two inch weapon shafts. So it's like, Oh, this is something here. So within the course of like 12 hours, I deconstruct our entire weapon system build it up through like a rough CAD model, then took it over to a manual lathe, laved in the pulleys to set the races in for these bearings. And we threw it together and within about a twelve hour time we basically doubled our weapon power just from like a ten dollar part. I love this. This is the part that I am the most most excited about whenever doing battle bots things. Ah, that's so good. Well, we we did something similar too is like this is kind of a tangent, but when Banshee came out we're like Banshee, like oh, use the these special like specialized hoses from like an airsoft tank, and I was like, uh, what psi are you running, and what's the hookup? They're like, oh, it's like a quarter inch uh, MIP, and you know whatever three hundred three thousand psi is like, uh, how about a grease gun hose? <laughs> so we went to Harbor Freight and bought like this two dollar grease gun, and just deep took the hose off of it and hooked it up to Banshee. And it uh, flipped uh, better than it's ever flipped before. Oh my goodness! <clears throat> no, actually, yeah, dude, dude, there's like I can probably talk to like ten more of these stories of like Destructathon stories of like, hey, like you're using this super specialized item, but have you considered blank? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We're actually gonna get to Destructathon questions too, so okay, keep those keep those in mind. Keep those in mind. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, with Jackpot, um, if you were to be a fight night booker, so let's say you were trying to be the committee, trying to create that sort of aura around Jackpot, um, how would you present the team and Jackpot? Like, how would you, uh, you know, walk in, like, theme music maybe, like, uh, maybe a title card, like a funny line on it, something like that. How would you present Jackpot to, to an audience when you're coming in to... to Get the interest, get the hype up. Hmm. That's a see. I, that's a hard one because I'm like I'm always like I'm so numb to like all the like the the stuff that we've been doing at Destructive <laughs> for like intros, like get the old Bronco and stuff like that coming in to weird intros. So that might be more of a Jason question because I'm kind of just like numb to I all the, like embraced, intros for robot. I have fully embraced the sequence. Okay, this is the power of Shay. <laughs> she is the only person. <laughs> They can convince me to wear sequins on national television. So, uh, yeah, I'm fully, I'm fully bought into the showgirl theme. Um, I'm just, I'm here for it, you know, all day. So, as far as how to book it, yeah, I mean, we don't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, that's just what jackpot is. Like, it's no nonsense. We're not pretending to be anything. We we work really, really hard, but we're here to have fun at the end of the day. I, I aspire to be that same moment where. 
ripperoni that eviscerates Endgame, and you just cut to this guy that's eating this pizza. Yeah, <laughs> like, no care. Yeah. That's like Michael. that's like yeah. that's the kind of energy I want to bring to the sport. Yeah. It's like it's like we're here for a good time. We're here to put on a show. We don't want to take ourselves too serious. We're not showing up in business suits and like dark glasses and all this shit. We're just like, yeah, we're just here for fun. <laughs> so actually kind of connects with it. So who would be like an ideal matchup? Like if you're once again trying to like get a really hype night for Jackpot, you'd have to choose a bot out of either the current lineup or even prospect bots that I've gone through Proving Grounds. Who would you choose? It's like a, this is going to be a really great fight for just for making Jackpot either look really, really good and destroying somebody or just exciting and the audience just remembers it and like instant classic kind of a thing. I got to be careful who I say because Greg is probably listening. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Disarray uh, works pretty well. Like, <laughs> yeah, Disarray went really well. <laughs> but uh, I would I would like to fight. Honestly, Hydra would be an excellent fight because mm-hmm. it's two totally different approaches to whatever. Then I we, I, we were really hoping that we were going to beat Witch Doctor because Huge is on that list of like, robots that you know i would love to fight one day just because the whole like oh huge is what i based my first beetle on and stuff like that it's like you know the full circle of it is pretty cool you said it out loud though jeff (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i'm i'd be our i'd be okay with that fight okay greg's greg's nodding his approval i'm sure somewhere We can, okay. we can hit we can hit them we're fine <laughs> and so then uh going forward to destructathon so how has uh that experience been like so like how many um show bots do you repair and service when when you go into work destructathon so originally within the first few weeks i was on as a crew bot you know just like wrenching and stuff like that then eventually once the people that they brought in through different like internships and through uh job fairs and stuff ended up learning the bots enough from contacting the actual builders and the the bots that they kind of just ended up taking over to the point where i'm just there as a driver for the wednesdays and thursday shows i I was they basically we had four shows for the last few months it'd be thursday friday and saturday sunday and i chose wednesday thursday because it worked better with me going to a robot event so with every other weekend so I don't have to worry about finding a fill-in for me. And David Rush kind of does the Saturday-Sunday shows, and Brad just fills in the middle ground for driving that those days. Sweet. And so uh, so in that time, both when you were originally working on at the beginning as well as driving them now, um, which bots have you found most challenging to either maintain or drive, and which ones have stood out as your favorite, the ones you like to – either wrench on more or just really enjoy driving when they get a chance to it. So as far as like robots have given us the most problems, it is Bronco. Because it is a real robot that is yeah, it's so good. It's it's a real robot that is designed to work within the tenth percentile. So, you know, it's always, you know, you know how real heavyweights are. You go in there, it does its thing, and then it's like, oh wow, it won, but at what cost? (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of what's been going on with uh, Bronco and that uses like solenoids and stuff like that from like unknown sources 
So it's re-engineering an entire flipper, basically. And we only had two of them, and now we only got one of them. So it's in all it's in event in rotation with Whiplash against Chopper, which is always a pretty good fight. Um, as far as my favorite to drive, hmm. Tat Tat, it's kind of like a three-way tie. Like Tazbot's really fun because there's a lot going on. Like you get that whole axe axe and all that, and it's very fun because sometimes the front end breaks off of Tazbot. So mm -hmm. the front end, you know, it's 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 fully independent, so it can drive on by itself. So I'll be looking the corner of my eye, watching the mini bot, where that's going, <laughs> and I will purposely like drive Tazbot into Kraken. Kraken will bite down. Then I start focusing on the mini bot while moving the arm up and down on Tazbot, and the mini bot kind of comes in and tries to break me free. Oh, that's really good. Very good. Very good showmanship going on there. Then Mammoth. Mammoth is in school. You grab, <laughs> like, Mammoth, you just, Mammoth always, like, grabs some weird, like, hook point on, like, overkill or something, and just throws it, like, 20 feet in the air. It's so fun. Then, uh, Hypershock is just, it feels kind of like how Jackpot feels. Very fast, slidey. So, they kind of feel at home when I'm driving that one. Uh, excellent. And so, uh, like you mentioned sort of some of the stories earlier. So what has been your biggest surprise of Destructive Fun? Either in the story or just the experience overall? The clown works. The clown. Oh, yes. <laughs> the clown yes. was so scary. Uh, yes. We, just, we, we kept like, so when they would look away, like we would grab the clown and we would turn its head and we'd have it face like ring at the people's tables. <laughs> so they would look over and they would see this clown with like its neck over its shoulders staring at you. <laughs> but the uh, clown was very funny because it was uh it was all untouched from like two thousand two. So it was wow. like looking at a time capsule of like old school robot designs. Mm. Like uh, the, yeah. full on like wheelchair motors and it was just some weird like uh it wasn't even like speed controller, so if I remember correctly, there's two servos, and there's the control stick for an old, like, wheelchair, and the servos would move the stick to control the robot. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and then you have the, the great conquering clown, of course, <laughs> next to just, like, a mammoth, or next to uh, a bronco, and you're just like, what an odd thing. Yeah. And yet it feels so good for a show, though. Then, Taco, to Taco is very fun, uh, the thing that surprised me about them is their controller setup. It was so cursed in the best way possible. <laughs> so they had three controllers that were hot glued together, and there was a physical stick that went across them, and they would go like this or go like this, and it was like a manual mixing. Oh, that's... <laughs> so that, that, the, the thing was, that, like, I asked this, like, you know, you can do this on like one radio. Is like they didn't realize that you can bind radios to multiple receivers. This is why we oh, do this, and you learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And I get. I mean, I guess in a sense that that crazy method of control goes with the taco itself. Yeah, Taco Tuesday had this the weirdest like you know rear driven rear drive it, on it as well it as the the weapon drives like my fairy weight red rocket. Ah, uh, 
like instead of like having like a propeller pulling it along, it's a uh, it's a wheel pulling it along, and the back wheel kind of directs where it's going. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And so then, last question of the bunch here. So, tell us about Jackpot's run at uh, Destructathon and how it's been doing. Obviously, if Disarray is one excellent example, the Jackpot's been doing some other stuff there too. So our first proving ground was early, early on, and it was against Gigabyte on that Gigabyte weekend. Uh, so what happened is we had that huge hit, and we we have onboard cameras on Jackpot, right? And onboard on Gigabyte. When we hit, the camera fell and went under the robot, and it teetered on it, so I couldn't move. Cool. So I got counted out, and Gigabyte got counted out. It was a, so the, the, the weird thing is, like, you know, the referees and some are actors. So they don't know, like, the whole, like, what is real controlled movement and stuff like that. I've been kind of pushing them, like, if we're doing a proving ground, we need to have, like, someone like Brad or me or Rush or someone that's inside of the sport that knows how to call a professional fight. Mm-hmm. So they called it as a double knockout. I would consider that as a gigabyte win because gigabyte still had the ability to eventually, along the timeline, were able to self write. Because they broke their mast off, but they were still able to spin their weapon, and they still had wheels and whatever. Double knockout by, by, um, by their callings, but a gigabyte ended up getting the pog from Greg. So, hmm. um, second one was jackpot versus bloodsport, which we talked about a little bit of that going in earlier. Uh, it was a pretty good fight at the beginning. We uh, the first one were like, yeah, on. It, it's weird because these are two-day events, so you don't want to go too hard on each other on the first day because you won't have a second fight, and you want a second fight. So in the first fight, we're like, if we start, if we uh, stop moving, don't hit us. Basically, it was like, like a soft tap out. So uh, we hit Bloodsport, we knocked their uh, balancer up, and we took like this big old three-inch gouge out of their billet. <laughs> we actually nicked the side of one of their lipos and it just didn't uh wasn't enough to cause it to go up but they just stopped moving they're like we're done this is it then so day two comes around uh same thing goes out we do our we do our hits uh, i'm running my short blade with my flat face it's very unstable in the front it likes to uh, nose dive a lot with that setup so it did you know typical it hits it nose dive the blade hit the ground and it flew backwards Landed upside down, and I forgot to tighten this clutch on the self rider. Ooh, you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's whatever. It's, uh, it's learned. Uh, so, once again, it's something you learn from. But we decided we had a gentleman's agreement at the beginning of like, whoever, if we get knocked out, keep hitting us. We want more data on things. It's like so we're you know we're putting on a show. They wanted to see what would happen if Bloodsport got like completely destroyed, and we wanted to see what would happen if Jackpot. We could we we'd have two separate occurrences of like what would happen, and honestly, ninety percent of the stuff that was in that Jackpot went into the next fight, which was against a uh, disarray. So we carried over most of like all the drive system, all the electronics so we swapped over to a new weapon and uh weapon motor and esc just out of a let's try this new revision of items and 
it worked really well. We got to spin up the 22-inch blade for the first time since filming. And uh, it's it's nasty, and it's too powerful for our frame right now, so we got to reinforce the frame in the next revision. Well, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. That's that's tons of learning. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Well, that's what I had for the, the robot things, at least for the heavyweights and little bit of Shirelle. But now we're going to move it over to a different topic. So go on, Lindsay. All right. So I will be talking to you about, uh, you know, a very um, not controversial subject matter on this podcast. <laughs> and that is rotary lifters, which I personally love. <laughs> so I'm actually excited to be talking to you about this. Um and uh, then we will move into a prepared statement um, written uh, definitely by Luke, not influenced by ChatGPT in any way. Um, unfortunately, Luke uh, is sick right now, so he was not able to join us, but he did want to share a message with you from, from the heart. Um, but before we get there, uh, Jason, when we first had you on the show, probably what, back in 2020 maybe even 2019 yeah. in preparation yeah. for the 2020 season. Um, we talked about your design for Tracer uh, and we were all really impressed. And one of the factors that we thought was most compelling about your robot was needle. Uh, and we're in a couple of group chats and needle was like a really big hit and even is still talked about to this day. Um, so it's, it clearly has made an impression. Um, so Jason, can you describe, um, some of the specs of needle and how you constructed it, how you came up with it, that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, historically in battle bots, if you had a mini bot, the mini bot was kind of the afterthought with tracer. Unfortunately, my heavyweight was kind of the afterthought and the whole, you know, self-writing was, you know, three, three levels down the road. So uh, yeah, I mean, in 2020, we didn't know if BattleBots was going to happen. I had been out of BattleBots for 10 years at that point and uh, wanted to come up with something new. And unfortunately, I ended up building a four-wheel vertical spinner anyway. But uh, <laughs> but the Minibot was really what the focus was. And the idea was it didn't actually start as a weapon. So the history of where this thing came from, it actually started out as a tool. So way back in 2009... <laughs> I made this little cam lifter. It was basically just a bent piece of metal that I could slide under the robot in the pits and flip it over like a handle manually to lift the robot off the wheels. And I'm like, well, what would ah. I build? And I, and I had this thing in a box and I'm like, it never occurred to me prior to that, that this thing could be used as a weapon. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I don't need to lift you three feet in the air. I only need to lift you one inch off the ground and then you can't go anywhere. So Tracer became the uh, the weapon delivery system, which is just a giant brick <laughs> with a big weapon in the middle of it. But uh, but yeah, it turns out the cam lifter was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Like I just thought, oh, you just have these things and it turns. But it turns out there's a lot of math and a lot of geometry that goes into getting it a, a tiny little robot to be able to lift, you know, a robot 20 times its size off the ground is uh, is a little tricky. But uh, and unfortunately, the matchups, you know, despite what uh, Luke may think, is very specific against a certain type of robot. And unfortunately, Tracer fought, you know, back-to-back -back undercutters and, uh, you know, didn't do too great. But, uh, but, yeah, it lives on to this day. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And I think, like, when you look at it, 
it may not be apparent like how much engineering goes into it. So it's cool to hear about, you know, how you approached it. Um, when you went through, you know, that season, did Needle perform kind of the way you imagined it? Or did you come away learning like how you wanted to iterate on it and um, how, like what's different in a, Needle now or Ace now? Yeah, there, there was just a glimmer. So in the regular season, we just, we didn't fight anything. We could use it against, unfortunately. And then we got mm -hmm. into the Bounty Hunters and we fought P1. So we got a fight against a, a low ground clearance robot and in that fight, which we lost, but in that fight, we did get one grab and I managed to rip his front wheel off. And in that one moment, we're like, okay, there, this is possible. There is something here. And the only reason that it still exists today is because of Shay. So at filming, Shay was Needle's biggest fan. And she came up to me and had said how cool it was. So when Tracer didn't get accepted for season six, um, I went to Shay and I was like, hey, do you guys want this thing? You know, I was just going to give it to him. But, uh, you know, things kind of evolved. She took it back and pitched it to Jeff. And because it's a big ask. I mean, you know, this it's a mini bot, but it's, you know, at the time it was probably 15 pounds plus. So it's a wow. pretty big commitment to be like, hey, you want to carve 15 pounds of armor off your robot and we'll try this crazy mini bot thing. And of course, Jeff was crazy enough to, to try it. So, <laughs> I mean, it. it it seems like well worth the sacrifice in the main bot because watching jackpot and ace work together, it really makes sense. Um, so it seems like, yeah, a good, a good use of weight. Well, what I really like about like forcing us to cut down to like, you know, 220, 230, whatever is when you don't run the mini bot, like against all the nasty horizontals, you now have all of this weight to just throw into this big old giga plow on the front <laughs> That's why the the plow on jackpot is just ginormous. It's just it's the tomb. It I don't recall it losing. No, have we lost with the with the big giga plow yet? I don't think we were lost. Gigabyte. We guess we we lost the gigabyte. A gigabyte was our only loss with the with the big plow on, but the plow has never really taken any major damage or anything. It'll like sometimes it get big old gashes in it, and you just weld it back in and. Uh, put it in there. It's actually the same plow since season six. It's, we liked it so much. We're like, well, if we keep the same bolt pattern at the front, we can run it again. We reuse everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's the thing is like even like the blade that's hanging on my wall right now could, could bolt into jackpot right now. <laughs> um. So I guess one more question here uh, for you, Jason. Um, how does it feel seeing um, Needle kind of get new life and be reincarnated almost through Supreme Ruler? And how does like seeing its success in the lower weight classes feel? Uh, across the board, I mean, it's it's having to glow up right now. You know, it took three years. You know, the funny thing, I was reading comments yesterday. They're like, well, where has Ace been for the last two years? And I'm like, we fought 12 <laughs> fights. Like, what are you talking about? Like, But... It's not until you win that then suddenly they're like, they missed all yeah. those ones last season where I just fight an undercutter and just get blapped out of the way. And, you know, Scorpios chops me in half. Like that's, you know, you don't notice those ones. But, <laughs> but yeah, and, and you cannot understate. And it's funny because I, I was there with Bloodsport and Aaron Hill was there with the twins at the same time. And I cannot understate how hard it is to drive tandem. It, it I mean, it's taken me and Jeff 12 yeah. fights now to like, 
we're starting to get a rhythm. Like we're starting to get to where we kind of know how to do this. Because in the early days, we tried it just as a mini bot. Like Jeff just does his thing and I tried to stay out of his way and get a grab. And it turns out it's more complicated than that. And like, we're starting to find success, but that's definitely not our approach. And we're kind of learning how to do the dance, but it's definitely taken a while. But, and now watching, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was watching that stream all day long with Jeff just going ham through the through the tournament was unbelievable. I mean, and watching Luke uh, have his meltdown, I mean, was, it, it was <laughs> funny. It was, it was pretty hilarious. And I don't know how much of that was dramatized, but man, it was, it really made yeah. it fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, the funny thing too is like, it's it really ruler really shows up how good a driver jeff is because he's going into these fights with just absolute murder robots chainsaw kitty's just ping-ponging off the walls with just this crazy weapon and he's fighting him with a pair of popsicle sticks <laughs> like how can you not this? i mean it's it's so crazy to see what he's doing and then you know in, a, in another smooth brain i mean jeff put that fire mini bot together in like I don't know, like three hours. I don't know, like as he's getting leaving from the plane, he somehow throws this thing together and it works. I mean, that, it wasn't super wonderful, but it, it actually <laughs> shot fire. It actually burned the guy. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know, and uh, it, it's really amazing to see. And I mean, really excited for November to see uh, how this all goes. But regardless of, uh, of how it plays out, I mean, it's been it's been awesome. You know, it's been fun and we're doing different stuff. You know, we're introducing kind of a new idea and opening up some new territory. So it's all good. Oh, all right. Well, no pressure. Your first event is only the November finals. Uh, the most competitive competition we've ever had. No big deal. <laughs> but well, um, going with Jeff. So, I mean, Jeff's doing all yeah. the real work. I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So like I said, Luke, uh, is sick right now. He is not able to join us uh, on this episode, but he did want to clear the air um, with a statement that he feels very strongly. Um, so I'm going to read it to you uh, just the way that he wrote it, which is verbatim from him, not chat GPT influenced at all. And um, we're just going to, we're going to take it from there. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> Dear Builder's Name, uh, which I can only assume uh, means you, Jeff, and Jason. <laughs> uh, I hope this message finds you well. I wanted to reach out and offer a heartfelt apology for the comments I made about your incredible creation, Supreme Ruler, during a recent live stream broadcast. In hindsight, I realized that my remarks were unjust and insensitive. I failed to appreciate the immense effort, creativity, and passion that went into designing and building such an impressive fighting robot. I understand the dedication and countless hours of hard work that you and your team must have invested in bringing Supreme Ruler to life. I deeply regret any negative impact my comments may have had, and I want to express my sincere admiration for the craftsmanship and ingenuity that Supreme Ruler represents. It takes a great deal of talent and commitment to achieve what you have with your creation. I'm committed to being more considerate and respectful in the future 
and I'm fully aware of the importance of supporting the innovative work of individuals like yourselves in the robotics community. Once again, I apologize for my previous comments and any offense that they may have caused. I would like to extend my appreciation for your work and dedication in creating Supreme Ruler. Thank you for your understanding, and I hope we can move past this incident and continue to celebrate your incredible work being done in the field of robotics. Sincerely, your name, which I can obviously he meant. <laughs> Is Luke running for the Senate now? Is that what's going on? He's got <laughs> Wow. Do you have anything um, to uh, respond to that really, really deep, heartfelt comment? Let me uh, let me pull up a, a tab really quick, and I'll have a response for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know that has like really good uh, Bill Clinton vibes, right? Like I did not insult that robot supreme ruler. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gotta love Chat GPT. They're really pulling oh, from the best, you know? Yeah. No, apologies. No, that was all Luke, Kyle. Not that all was... Luke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't you remember all the times Luke has said your name to his old friends, you know? Yeah. All the time. Johnny Justice, good old Jeff, you know, your name. And Jason, you also, you know? Yeah, your exactly. name. Your name. Your, your name. <laughs> Um, I, mean, I don't want to speak for Luke. I do feel like, you know, a good part of it is dramatized. He's just trying to, like, play. Oh, and was, uh, fantastic. Yeah. No, let me, set, let me set the story straight. Neither, none of us were offended at all. Like, honestly, when I design something, if people aren't confused and offended, I haven't gone far enough. So, like, that's just, yes. you, know, like, you did a good job. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We got to take this up about six more notches until it's gross. But uh, whether, uh, how much of it was traumatized, I don't know. But it was absolutely tackling fuel for uh, for November. So Luke may have created the very monster he was afraid of. So, <laughs> Ooh. Supreme Miller Clean Sleep, that's what I'm hearing. Supreme Miller 2023. Um, uh, this podcast will melt down, and I'm here for it. Yes, yeah, yeah, make it happen. I mean, he needs to stop making predictions because every time he he predicted all of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard about the plane. <laughs> I was really listening to know, like literally. We'll see, but he's predicted all the things. Remember, little lifting motions all the way to the final. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Guess what? I don't know. I don't know, Luke. You got to stop doing that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> The man's a prophet, and he just can't handle his power. That's the, that's the issue. He sees what's coming, and he's like, no. He's yeah, dreading it from afar. Exactly. <laughs> like I, meant, I think I mentioned it during the, the interview at final, or uh, at a uh, August. And they, um, all, actually, on the plane to Norwalk, I was listening to the pre-recorded podcast. I downloaded it, whatever. And I needed something else to do on a five-hour flight. So uh, one of the ones you were talking about, oh, rulers, wouldn't it be funny if Ruler won the whole thing and everyone was mad about it? And I was like, well, that's all I needed right there. <laughs> that was it. Locked it in. At the August event, uh, I wasn't able to be there because I was at a funeral. But uh, when I got back online on Monday, I like reached into the group chat for the podcast and was like, hey, how did the event go? And the first response was, 
Jeff Waters won with a cam lifter and combat robotics is over. <laughs> and I went, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, getting your own rule is pretty good, but ending the sport completely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of been the goal with, uh, with ACE needle ruler and all that is to get the rules changed like we almost got it we almost got mini bots banned like this last season they they were trying to do a soft ban with the with the lithium rule and of course oh, being engineers uh, we worked around it so ace has like not full... easy. <laughs> no yeah, it was it not minibots i hadn't I, maybe i was out of the loop on that yeah, I think it was, was more of a. I think it was more disguised as a. It is a lithium hazard. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because well, the fear is that the mini bots have no armor, so they just go up in a ball and it uh, takes a while to suck up the air out. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. so basically, they made it how much all mini bots. Yeah. All mini bots are not allowed to run lipos anymore. So that creates. Uh, they all have to run around with NICADs. Is that the new? Or something else. So yeah, it we. Originally, we're looking at some very exotic, like one-time use silver battery. I mean, some very exotic stuff to try to be able to get the power we need. Eventually, they relented and allow us to have lithium iron phosphates, which is still problematic because they're way heavier and they're way bulkier. But we managed to make it work. But, but yeah, you know, if they want to ban mini bots altogether, that's fine. But I think if there's anything NRHRL has shown us is that it creates all kinds of really interesting situations. You know. Supreme ruler yeah. aside, like just all the different combinations of things that can play out in the box is a lot more interesting once people really start to take advantage yeah. of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a double edged sword. You, you can win because of your mini bot. You can also take way too many damage points because of your mini bot and lose the match. Okay. And that happens well, all the time. Like, look yeah. at the l lucky fight. Like, we lost our weapon because of Ace. Yep. Uh -huh. Yeah. Nice. It, it yeah. got it sucked up funny. into the weapon and took out the belts. Yeah. So the problem, is, so the problem is, sometimes it seems like I know how to drive, and then sometimes I look like a complete idiot. And the reality is, is in the box, the position of where we're at plays a big part in that. Sometimes I just screw up, like that's just reality. But a lot of the time, Ace is so small, it's on the backside of a robot or around a corner, and I have no idea where I am. I'm just trying to drive. And when they went to that back corner, I was like, oh, no, Lucky's getting him. And I started to go that way, and then I lost it and couldn't see. And next thing I know, I got sucked through jackpot, and his belts were cut. And, yeah, it was, it was not ideal. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, as uh, the partial driver of the mini snakes for Copperhead, uh, yeah, it can be very hard to see when you have a little tiny robot that sometimes glints into the floor. Uh, where are you? I don't exactly. know. It's hard. Yeah, the whole blending into the floor thing is always a conundrum that we have too. Is like, do we make Ace like super bright so it's always in their peripheral and they're like, oh no, it's coming for me, it's coming for me? Or do you make it match the floor and they never know where it's at and they're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Ooh, that's that's tricky because yeah, I mean it's cool to be stealthy, but then when that hurts you, your ability to drive it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can always add like a, a light tail to it. So it's like a tail that's like a good couple of feet. So the light's always somewhere over there, but they can't actually mm. see where the light's coming from. So it's always just looping around. I only like say this because maybe it might be able to like monster truck. Exactly. <laughs> like a cat. You just add a big tail to it. 
<laughs> as long as Mammoth can like monster truck over you, it's fine. It becomes a problem, different story, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so well, let's... Yeah, so I mean, just to, to put Luke's mind at ease, like <clears throat> cam lifters are not going to end the world, okay? We, just like when Wedges came on the scene, Law Machine was an amazing robot and it destroyed everybody once, right? But wedges aren't the end game. They're just another component. And I think where this is going to get really interesting and what we're ultimately driving to is cam lifters being paired with other weapons and it becomes active ground game. I think that's one of the things everyone kind of missed last season was jackpot also went active ground game. So if you look at what mm -hmm. we did with the with our self-writer, everyone's like, oh, it's a token lifter. No, no, you missed it. What we did was we put mm -hmm. big long forks on jackpot and then we don't use them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have these big long forks, so the other guy has to use big long forks, and then you just pick them off the ground so you don't get stuck. So that's the idea, is really trying to push towards new innovative ideas using active ground game rather than just passive forks that get stuck on the floor and don't do anything productive other than, you know, slow down the gameplay. So yeah. yeah. I think it was actually one of the ideas going forward for the ideas I noticed for sure. Like I um I could easily see a world where Supreme Ruler with like uh with what like a saw on top of it. Very easy idea. That could be so effective in multiple way classes. Um put that with uh like the flame obviously that you mentioned before, with any way that you don't need some might have to like launch into yourself. Um yeah. even like the active lifting mechanism is actually one way that you could try to keep some balance in that ground game meta. Because of the whole fears, you get a Hydra Ribot fight where you're just sitting there until the forks are sort of just meshing the whole time with no actual movement on it. That's a problem. Yeah. But if you get to a point where it's like, okay, only Hydra's tip is the ground game. And yep. if Ribot wants to do something, they have to figure it out with either a lifter or redesign their, their weapon to hit really, really low, like Jackpot kind of does, you know, that kind of stuff. That could be its own way to fix it. Well, that's you know, also Luke where is... Ace comes in, too, is a, um, if you get that standoff. Like, you always get those, like, I don't know, I'll be I'll be spinning around all the way around, you know, like, and they'll be sitting there, you know, pointing at you. While they're sitting there pointing at me, that, you know, when they're turreting, that's when the minibot kind of comes in and grabs them. And it all kind of punishes the traditional, I'm just going to sit here and you're going to have to find a way to get under me situation. Yeah. You know. But Luke mentioned, well, can you imagine if you put cam forks on in-game? And I'm like, it's actually, it doesn't help verts. Like, it nerfs verts harder than anything else. Can you imagine shatter with cam forks? Like, that could be very interesting. I mean, there's any overhead attack type weapon, all of a sudden that opens up a lot of possibilities. It is more complicated. Obviously, there's moving parts to it. But if done well, you know, there's a lot of potential. So we shall see. Interesting. Um, we have more questions, uh, actually, from listeners about uh, that. Um, this one is from Andrew Burgraff. Um, and I don't know, he's maybe challenging you. He says, uh, is people using the term cam lifter triggering when there is no cams in the mechanism? I'm glad you asked, because there actually is. <laughs> So, Ooh, Andrew. Gonna get gonna get technical on you here for a second. So the funny thing is, people look at it and go, "Oh, look, it's a couple of forks," and they go twisty, twisty. What you have to realize: a cam is a device that turns rotary motion into linear motion. 
And if you look at the profile very closely on our forks, there actually is a cam profile on the edge of the fork. So when I design my forks, I don't design them as flat forks. I actually design them in three dimensions. So it starts out as a flat fork, but then it sweeps through 90 degrees into a new shape. And when I design it in CAD, I actually design that three-dimensional shape that it transitions through. So it's like a four-dimensional cam. So it, it, it goes from being a flat plate <laughs> through a three-dimensional object back into a two-dimensional object again as it goes through the sweep. So, no, I'm not triggered at all. It is, it is actually a cam lifter, and uh, yeah, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. I love it. I love it. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're just watching it on the stream, you might not catch all the nuances of it. So it's, it's cool to kind of hear um, from you, you know, all, all about it. So uh, thank you. Uh, next question is from none other than your own teammate. And I mean, can I just say that like BattleBots royalty, combat robotics royalty, Shea Waffles Johns. Uh, she wants to know what is each of your first ever bot? You go, Jack. Timeline wise, Jason should go first because his robots are older than mine. Whoa. I am ancient. That's true. I, I'm definitely <laughs> the youngest of the old guys. So my first robot was, uh, was named was named Rebob. So back in 2002, as my high school graduation project, I uh, yeah, I built a uh, a dead blow inspired double horizontal hammer robot so back then the rules were based on hits count as points so that's why grant imahara was able to just absolutely dominate because he could just tap you a thousand times and just rack up all these points i watched that and went okay that's really cool but he misses a lot because he's got a vertical hammer i'm like what if we put two hammers and swing them sideways and you could be able to grab and then you could hit the sides of the robot and double the hits yeah, so that was the first robot, and it showed up and didn't work. And uh, it's only because of our good friend Pete and his sympathy for a poor, dumb high school kid actually showed up and ended up letting us use Ronin's radio to get our robot wow. into the box. So, yeah, true story. Uh, Pete the Bot Whisperer also was the one, full circle, Trey did not want to allow uh, Needle into the competition. He saw it as entangled. <gasps> so Pete doesn't even know any of this happened in the back of the day that he actually is the whole reason I got into engineering. And he saw the application Aww. and went, no, this thing is crazy, and then proceeded to be the champion for it and explained to everybody how cool it could be. So, yeah, that's that's like double layers of backward inception. So, yeah. As if we needed another reason to love Pete Abramson on this podcast, we are such big fans of him, and now yeah. even more so. We stand Pete every day on this podcast. We love yeah. that guy. <laughs> Literally the best people. Yeah, he is fantastic. And honestly, yeah. I don't, if I just look at the timeline, if I hadn't, if I had done all that work and got to the box and then didn't get to fight and we just went away defeated, would I have ended up in engineering? Would I have done all the wow. stuff? My life would be dramatically different if Pete hadn't stepped in and saved us that day. So, way to go, That's Pete. You're the man. We love you. Pete. Changing Jeff, lives, how about that guy. You? Uh, so, let's see. First robot that actually made it to a competition was actually Wombo. So, really? Wombo, yes. 
like I tried to build stuff like in the 2010, like early 2010, but it never really made it competition and lots of weird family stuff. And it's like turned into like, well, I can do this now. And it's, you know, it comes around like 2018. So my first robot after like modern, I'd say like modern era robot was uh, Pinball Wizard, which was kind of, you know, once again, it's kind of a full circle thing. It was a two wheel drive thing with two arms like this. But they would go like this. Uh, I ha I had the spirit. I just had the wrong rotation now axis. <laughs> so I was pinball wizard. It had like little pinball flippers and stuff like that. It was gonna have like this cool like eighties like look to it. But uh, never really fought. It was we some weird omni things that were going on. I ended up not doing it. Uh, Wombo ended up happening after like I think like a within that within that year, Wombo happened and it was once again. A very quick turnaround build. Like it was a, oh, there's a, an event in Pomona, and I got family in Pomona. Oh, what? when is it? Six days. <laughs> so That's I had, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had all the stuff for Pinball Wizard still. So it's like, well, uh, then there was that whole joke about a, um, you know, what if you do it sideways? So I was like, well, I did it. So I went ahead <laughs> and. Against like future Jeff's health, I hand cut some carbon fiber, uh, 3D print some stuff, um, put the weapon hub in, use like a finger tech hub that wheel that I already had, and uh, that was kind of the first wombo. Was that wow, wow, I man, just the thought of a six day build is so wild to me, um, but. It's cool that Wumbo has uh, has kind of transcended that and has been around now. But I mean, a, a bunch of years. Yeah, I think it'd be old enough to be in like it would definitely be in school by now. But like, <laughs> how old is that? <laughs> that would have been. There's a video of like me like sketchily testing it in a parking lot as my like my first video ever, and it's oh, uh, that would have been like 2017, 2018. So it's like wow. Almost seven years, six, seven years old now. Hasn't really changed. The wheel design hasn't really changed. It's just kind of just changed profiles a little bit. Um. All right, Chase. Next question. One word answer from both of you. You have to make a snap decision. Sequins or glitter? Sequins. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like glitter. Ooh. Okay. A little bit of both. Sequins. Uh, like take fun. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Glitter yeah. gets embedded into other robots, so it's like well, leaving like your mark. Fun. This this matches both of you well though. Jason, you want control, you want some some linear action, you want some stuff that makes sense. Jeff wants See, chaos. You and, totally you <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Like, makes sense. So the the best part, like going back to the glitters, like from our tombstone fight in season six, the part that we got from Ray has glitter embedded in it. Wow, it's where where is the ray heart? It's it's up there. Some uh, I think it, it might already be in a box because uh, I'm packing everything up. Wow, there's no getting rid of glitter when it's in a in a in a battle box. No. Um. Okay, we have some questions here from Trent Sheather. 
For someone thinking of building their own, what are the most important aspects of the cam lifter design? Ah, yes, because it is spreading like wildfire and it will be the new meta. <laughs> what do they need to know to build their own? Well, first of all, I was really surprised there was not a single cam lifter at Norwalk uh, October. Like, not even as a mini bot. Like, just none to be seen at all. So that was, like, super surprising because I was, like, expecting, like, oh, I opened up this huge can of worms and now I'm going to have to fight myself at a finals because somebody else is going to try to qualify with it. But no, um, so we're starting, honestly, it's, like, focus on a ro your drivability. Like, if it can't drive well, it's not going to be effective. You have to be on point with your driving with the can with one mistake and all of a sudden, you know, your servo gets hit on the hub and it's just done and now you're just a static fork bot and it's just kind of worthless at that point so it's kind of just learning the geometry like what do you want to do it as you want it to be more like drive focused you want it to be more defensive focused and it all depends on like what role it's playing like with ruler ruler is very aggressive and i have to be on you immediately so that's kind of the, the best defense is offense in our situation. So I kind of get in there, grab, then I outsource the damage to the minibot. Kind of like the same thing with Tracer or Jackpot and Ace is Ace, if you think about it, could be the main robot and outsources all its damage to the minibot of Jackpot. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that makes sense. If you don't have good drive, mm -hmm. you're not going to succeed with a bot like Supreme Ruler. So, well, uh, yeah, get the drive. Yeah. It's, it's got to be able to get hit by the scariest spinner <laughs> in the field and shrug it off. And yeah. I feel like with my fight to get Strider, I kind of did that. I think Strider is probably the hardest hitting bot in the West Coast. And it's it, it, it clapped me with both its spinners a lot of times, and it refused to die. I think it ended up losing its first fight because a solder joint just came loose. It wasn't really like a direct trauma uh, damage. That's frustrating. Um, okay, another question here from Nicholas Lopez. As the competitive budget bot guy, what would you say is the best competitive budget bots you've seen at other weight classes? Hmm. I guess this would, I mean, you'd have to know like what people spend on their bots. On yes, it. it's a... <laughs> uh, it is interesting I, I to know, though. Kind of... People have been asking of... about Jackpot's budget. And uh, yeah. Jackpot is definitely one of the cheapest robots in the field. It's probably... Somewhere around four thousand bucks. Ace, on the other hand, costs somewhere around a thousand bucks. So, pretty crazy. Oh. Are you saying that if I theoretically won a world championship, that I could afford my own jackpot? Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Jeff's willing to work for free, then yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, the four grand's not fat, not factoring in the, all the fab work and design time and the um, <laughs> countless sleeps. Sleepless nights of just well, we wrenching make, and we grinding and well Yeah. <laughs> but you hear that, people? You, If you win your world championship, you too can save up the money to bake a jackpot yourself. 
and that's just very, very nicely for help. There you go. There it is. All right. I have one more question before I hand you over to Chris. And I feel like I wish I had just given Chris this question too, because I can't believe I have to ask this. Uh, it's from Toby Himmelberger. Uh, Jeff, just how red is Red Rocket exactly? Uh, where is is it around here? Uh, oh, here is part of it. That can confirm very red. It is very red. It is. <laughs> I'm currently working on a better version of Red Rocket. Like Red Rocket is. Um, probably going to come back as a three pounder because I wanted to be able to fight at local California events and all that. So it's a, uh, red rocket is, I'd say, with the new system, it should be down to three pounds. No problem. Cool. Yeah. I had a, uh, custom gearboxes made from Peter. So the new repeat, you know, the the ultimates or the maxes, whatever that twelve pound gearbox is, mm-hmm. I had him make a special single stage versions of it. So it's only a four, like a four-ish to one, because that's what wow. I used in the first Red Rocket was a Wang gearbox that I took the, I took the, what would you call it, the gear churro, I guess, like the inside-out <laughs> churro. The ring gear? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I like the churro. The churro's better. Ring churros. The ring churros. The gear gear churros. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I took the ring gear, and, you know, I kind of measured out what the distance would be. I I took it bandsaw to it, cut it where I wanted, and it was a, turned it to a single stage, because the 16-1 Wang gearboxes have the same pinion on the first stage as the output on the carrier plate. So you could just, you know, remove the stage and slap it back together with the shorter screws and it's good to go. So I ended up doing that. It seized up a bunch because, you know, it's a hand-cut ring gear. <laughs> That's a churro problem, yeah. The gear churro, yeah. <laughs> See, the problem um, is that I got it inverted. So the gear churro is actually the log, the log of gear that you get that you slice pieces out of to make gears. I tuned out after I heard the word churro. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Jason has to put up with when I explain things. So, so like, one of the ones... (laughs) Like... It started out like, just like Brandon. I was like, wait, you mean a ring gear, right? No. (laughs) So, so, like, the other one was... uh, It feels like the other day is, like, how hot is the motor? And I said, I don't know, but it feels like a warm burrito. (laughs) That feels very American for sure. Yeah. It's like, how would you describe it to somebody? It's like, well, it's a warm burrito. Like if you put it in a microwave for like two minutes and like, okay, I yeah. get you now. I hundred percent. I'm there. Like you, you understand how warm that is though. Like if I told you like, oh, it's like 120 degrees. You're like, no, but a warm burrito is about 120 degrees. Yeah. That's the smooth yeah, brain, folks. I'm like right on board with you. <laughs> I just I tuned out when you were talking about how Red Rocket used Wang gearboxes. And I was like, announcing, <laughs> announcing for yeah, this robot has always that. been terrible. 
It's like the worst experience. It's the worst experience (laughs) announcing for this robot. You don't want to announce when it wins. You don't want to announce when it loses. That's kind of been the goal of all my other small weight classes. Like, I have a TPU shell spinner that's blue that has like a waffle pattern on the top of it. It's a full body one pound shell spinner called Blue Waffle. Yeah, I got purple nurple. I got naughty lizard. It's it's there's a whole roster of really bad one pounders. This is why Jeff is great, guys. I want you all to know this. This is this is the yeah. reason why everyone just loves it. Maybe yeah. this is why Luke is secretly uh, after you. He just doesn't like having to say these words on the stream. But he makes up for it because Wumbo is so much fun to say. This is true. Yeah, true. true. You sure. want to scream He's Wumbo within, at every there event. Is. There is Wumbo. There he is. To our uh, viewers on YouTube, you can see. He's kind of uh, gutted right now because all of this is now inside of a ruler because I am low on spares. <laughs> good um all right well toby you got your answer uh thank you for that insightful what? question and i am now going to hand you over to chris who has more insightful questions <laughs> and that, you know what now we're even you get these you get to handle this one there you go oh yeah thank you so much Lindsay. this is uh this is a real blast <laughs> You get to ask the the Red Rocket questions, and now I'm going to go on. I'm going to ask a question, and I'm only asking it, Bradley Warren Hanstead, because I respect you. <laughs> I don't want to ask these questions. We, You made me ask these questions for years before I really understood what they meant. But we're just going to go with it. All right, uh, Jason, what do you think about Thanos? And Jeff, who is Thanos to you? Okay, because we've already established that I'm – just direct and linear and literal, I'm going to assume that uh, he is the bringer of balance to the universe and a total jerk for not just creating double the stuff instead of killing half of everyone. So, yeah. Uh, Thanos is warm. Thanos is like a, a good hug. It's very filling. Like, you feel very fulfilled when you are around Thanos. It's very... <laughs> It's very wholesome to be around this man, and it's just a good time. Jeff, would you say that there's a little bit of Thanos in each of us? There could be a Thanos in every single one of us. Okay, great. Moving on. Jason, when will Chimera have giant pancake outrunners for a 250 cookie? I already have one. I've been trying to convince Shay forever to build the mega cookie. Yeah, I have a giant paramotor sitting on a shelf with her name on it, like if she wants to do it. Personally, I think we should do a cluster, but yeah, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm down. Let's do this thing. Cat brushes well, for the win. That plays along with the new Walker class that BattleBots announced a few days ago. So if, they can, if we can convince them that bristles are walking, we have something there. Okay. All right, uh, I'm going to go on. I got a question here from Ben. With the huge number of iterations of cam lifters, what is the biggest lesson learned? It's not as simple as it seems uh, would be the main one, especially if you're trying to, you know, lift a house bot with a three pounder. That's uh, that's a that's a different level of crazy. And uh, I, I literally was screaming at my laptop watching Jeff attempt this and I'm like, Stop, you're gonna break it. Like, but uh 
yeah, getting the geometry just right for that kind of lift is is way more complicated than it would seem. Um, you know, not only getting the ro- being able to make enough rotational torque, but trying to get the actual profiles right and the pivot correct of the robot to get us to do it is pretty tricky. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of trial and error for sure to get it to work right. Ben goes on to ask if you could be more specific about how the chassis is made and also comments that it looks a little bit too big to fit in an average size printer. So uh, I can talk, we got SMT for the video users only, but let's see. Actually, yeah, let's, let's do this one since this one is being shown publicly. So this is the exact one that was at finals. This is the one that bought all the way through finals. And this is the other half of it. And I have a, what would you call Artillery X1, that's what I have, the Sidewinder. So it's a uh, 300 by 300 print bed, which, you know, ruler's too big to fit in that. So I have this how many, little... How many gear. burritos wide is that bed? Uh, <laughs> it depends on what kind of burrito are we talking about. Are we talking about, like, a fast food burrito? Or are we talking about, this like, is, one of those big a, burritos from, like, Chipotle? Yeah. Uh, Jeff, this is America. We're talking about Chipotle burritos. Okay. Exactly. Um, I would say this is roughly one Chipotle burrito long. Thank you. Per module. Yeah. So, so Jeff's holding uh, right now is a, is a module. You see, they're they're fully identical. Like you know, you got the whole thing. So I print a bunch of these, then they basically just slot together, and they turn into a solid ruler in the front. Then, so it's printed uh, yeah, this, is the, this is the same one that was at finals as well, and it prints at a diagonal, and this one barely fits. Like, so if you look a little bit, there's a little bit of overhang. So actually, I I deleted the the end, not what's the word for it. Uh, I deleted the end limits on my printer. So when this is actually printed, it's floating over the edge of the bed. Wow. So, yeah, that's why it's so round in the corner, because it's, uh, the print stops here, like the printer bed stops here, and it keeps going in like an angle and floats it. So after the, the, the chassis snaps together, do you have like pins or bolts that are holding the two, the two halves together, or is it another part of the frame assembly that is kind of holding them in place? It's built like a, it's built like a racing drone. Like, it has through standoffs that you bolt into. So mm-hmm. the whole thing kind of... Like, I'm not giving away too much. There's a, there we go. So there's little five millimeter aluminum standoffs that just go through the whole thing. And honestly, it's the same same on Wombo. Wombo has been, Wombo is not clear, so you can't really see it. But Wombo does the same thing. I've been doing that design style for, since I started, honestly, even like like, uh, Pinball Wizard was still that same design style. Because I came from racing drones before I did combat bots. So my whole thing was I was racing RC cars and, and drones. And it's like, oh, well, I can do robots again. Now that I have the time for it. And robots has kept being the main thing. All right, I'm going to go on to uh, a question here from Dangle, who first offers a little bit of praise. Uh, he says, hey, Jeff. And Jason, last episode was an excellent showcase of how a minibot can be a game changer. I think uh, they're a very underinvested part of the sport, and sadly, most minibots fail to show field presence. 
How did Jackpot manage to have Ace drive so well for Golden Bolt? And do you expect more competitors to draw inspiration from you? So well, we did already have a mini bot that was based on Tracer mini bot needle. Uh, screw job. It was just an attempt that was not executed as well as like a cam lifter. Um. Well, yeah, so Screwjob came about after Needle, but as far as being able to execute, I mean, it took a lot of time. It's, you know, it's been three years in the making to finally pull off those two back-to-back fights, and it's just, you know, mm-hmm. you're just finally seeing the result of a lot of time and a lot of years and iteration, and, you know, like I said, it's been in, I think that was like 11 and 12th fight with Jackpot, and the rest of them just kind of to the ether, you know, <laughs> because if you go back, I mean, if you watch the fight, Jet, you know, Ace actually had a big fight that didn't make TV against, you know, our rematch against Deadlift. It was the first time Ace with Jackpot really got a big win, but it didn't make TV. So you never saw that one. And then we fight, you know, being a big vert, we fight a lot of horizontals. So you don't see Ace as much because when we fight a big horizontal, we're not going to throw Ace in there to just get obliterated. So a lot of it was just a lot, enough time had passed, enough iterations had passed and just getting the right matchup. So. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, uh, Ace was basically a zombie in those two fights because uh, it didn't want to be alive in the big deal fight. So we actually pulled it out of the arena as the fight was starting because it would not bind to the radio. It just like it had enough, and we kind of had to like beat some sense into it to get it working again. Well, it had it had been blown apart multiple times. So I mean, we yeah. threw it in there against Scorpios. It got blapped, knocked up on the shelf. It got. Uh, blown apart by Ribot, uh, and I think Witch Doctor ended up blowing it apart at the end too. So it had been through the ringer several times at that point. So yeah, pulled it out, but it was close. All right, uh, I have a question here. I don't know if it's a question or if it is a mathematical formula. J. Marvin Walter, Tracer plus Self. Tighter equals heart face emoji. Oh, I yeah. Self writer. Yeah, I would assume. I would assume Tracer with a self writer would, would, would have been uh, I, what could have been. So much of BattleBots is what could have almost made it, maybe should have kind of happened. <laughs> like, but then there's what actually happened. And uh, sadly, I was too busy trying to figure out cam lifters to finish my self writer. So. Kids, if you take nothing else away from Tracer's time at BattleBots, heed my words. Do not go to BattleBots without a self-writer, okay? Just just trust me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't Forget anything else. If you don't have a self-writer or you're invertible, don't go. Just, just don't do it. So that's all. That's my PSA for today. All right, I'm going to wrap up here with uh, some of our philosophical questions from uh, BattleBot superfan Mary Catherine Carr. Uh, Mary uh, begins by asking Jeff and Jason, how does it feel to have killed combat robotics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we did not kill combat robotics. You know, we are just opening it up to new territory it's just we're disrupting things it's a little scary but don't worry it's gonna be great we're just the new two-wheel drive beater bar it's just it comes along exactly. and people find counter for it and exactly. maybe there will be a million of them and once that happens uh now everyone will know how to counter it 
And honestly, the hardest counter to it is probably one of my favorite robots to run. So yeah, we'll just leave it at that. I mean, horizontals have already been murdering everybody anyway at Norwalk. I mean, it's come on, it's it's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. Jake did prophesize and say 2023 was the rise of the horizontal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if Jake, the man, the maximizer merch guy, would say it himself, then who am I to possibly go against it? This is actually the most on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's next question. Uh, it's maybe a two-parter. What is the thing that Ruler aspires to lift the most? Is it Luke's opinion? <laughs> Oh, that is way too. I was heavy. gonna say. I was just about to say that before you said Luke's opinions. Yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a tough load to lift right there. I mean, uh, I think the house bot might be doable, but Luke's opinion that's uh, that's a tall, steep mountain to climb. But uh, we will try. We will definitely try. And hopefully, hopefully, if we deliver enough fire, I hope that uh, the mini bot might help lift his opinion i i think what ruler aspires to lift the most is the golden bread wow i can hear luke screaming somewhere did you hear that (laughs) i mean how heavy is the golden bread can i i might actually be able to physically lift it with it guess you have to win and find out huh yeah that's true yeah Uh, Mary's second to last question is exactly how big of a ruler is ruler? It is based off of an off-the-shelf staples ruler. Literally how it started out, no one got his name. (laughs) Yeah, if you you go up a weight class, you're just going to have to go out and buy a fruit by the foot. It would be supreme yardstick at that point. Exactly. And how many burritos is that? Uh, let's see. What's what standardized the burrito unit? Let's assume that one burrito is 10 inches. So it'd probably be like three and a half burritos. There you go. There you go. Let's do Anything it. but metric. Yeah. <laughs> if you said meters, it's all over. But burritos, that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> Mary's last question as we wrap up the interview here. Is the supremacy of cam lifting in its gentle scooping as opposed to the violent yeeting of other lifters? Yeah, that, that subtle caress of uh, of the cam lifter is uh, is just enough that just gets right in there. You don't even notice. You're like, oh no, no, my wheels are off the ground. And then it's it's too late. That's that makes sense. That must mm-hmm. must be what's going on. Just tickles the robot in just the right way, and they're helpless. It, so. it, it's like the slowly warming pot. With the frog, frog in a slowly boiling pot, like you don't notice the change over time until it's too late. Until it gets to like two or three burritos hot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> See, I'm starting to really like the burrito measurement tool because it's <laughs> temperature and size. Yeah. Come on. You know how much a burrito weighs. There's also yeah. the volumetric, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a volume of burrito. It's got it's got one burrito of volume. <laughs> it depends how uh, stingy your Chipotle is, though. Yeah. 
we've been using a banana for scale this whole time and a burrito is just so much better for the store. Burrito's much been more versatile the whole time. Bananas My aren't goodness. typically room temperature, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. That's so basic though. The burritos you can easily, you know, change it, add some variety. You can even make a European version just so the British have something else to try, just in Ooh. case they don't want metric anymore. You can figure yeah. it out. The, the problem Probably. is with the British burrito would weigh 150 grams. <laughs> uh well jason jeff you have uh, a very exciting month coming up here in november you know uh good luck in uh in vegas good luck in norwalk uh you know who knows what could be happening we might see uh for the first time ever a a, a cam hoisting a a, a golden a dumpster uh, or golden Brett, I'm sorry, high into the air, and that is a terrifying uh, uh, prospect. I look hopefully, forward to the the excitement of the competition. Hopefully, we can find out chaos. if the golden bolt threads into the golden Brett. Well, it's aired two days that prior. That doesn't work. It'll be, uh, it's going to be a busy couple days. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. We'll keep the, the illusion. It's for, for the ratings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so now for this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Uh, we have a really weird one today. Chris picked this one out, and we're going to go ahead and read it. So, uh, the highly anticipated film sequel, The Good Burger. Oh, no. Two. It's not uh, The fu- Good Burger, Kyle. It's Good Burger. It's Welcome good to Good, good Burger. Burger. Home, of like, good burger. Yeah, home of the Can Good I Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> Yeah, but it's not uh, follows Dexter Reed, a.k.a. Keenan Thompson, and the original cashier, Kel Mitchell, Ed, as they reunite in present day at a fast food restaurant, Good Burger, with a hilarious new group of employees. In Good Burger 2, Dexter Reed is down on his luck after another one of his inventions fails. Ed welcomes Dex back to the Good Burger with open arms and gives him his old job back. With a new crew working at Good Burger, Dex devises a plan to get back on his feet but unfortunately puts the fate of Good Burger at risk once again. And the invention that does that is hyper-realistic Android robots to replace the human workforce. Um, so the trailer came out today. It looks insane. Mm-hmm. And the robots are just the actors uh, acting robotic. This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Good Burger 2. <laughs> can i take <laughs> so i guess the question is a did we need this movie and b what does this movie really have to say about our automated workforce going forward kyle how dare you ask if we really need this movie of course we really need this movie this is the sequel we've been waiting for since uh hold on let's see um, my guess is 1997 probably uh, 1997. Oh. Yes. Ooh, nice. Nice. I've been waiting all this time. I know I have. Um, burgers are good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not as good as uh, you know, like burrito, uh, as, as we've like talked about in this conversation. But I don't know this is really exciting, and they've clearly been listening to our podcast this whole time because they have the same concerns that we do about robot replacements. Okay, burgers are good, do- but they're they're not all that. Uh, 
Oh. Found it. Found yeah. it. <laughs> the question is, how did this movie happen with the strike going on? Was it written by ChatGTP? Like, how did, how did this even happen? Well, it well, was obviously completed before the before the strike. Okay, okay. So it's I mean, not AI. A, I mean, AI. <laughs> well, no. at least not as we're told. It's yeah. also possible so they just might. rented a set and let Keenan and Kel show up, and they just had the cameras rolling. Yeah, I'd watch yeah. that. I mean, that's what I understand, yeah. Kel has been trying to get this made for like fifteen years now, and Keenan's been too busy, like actually having a career. Um, so they haven't been able to make that happen, but it's happening now. And that's a good thing. I think, um, it's going to be a weird movie. I, I think that it's problematic because it's going to be focused towards kids. Yet the audience is us. Us. I'm, I would love to know of like everybody listening to this. Who's like under 25. Do, do you know what good burger is? Like Brandon, do you know good burger? As as a twenty five year old, as the, as the benchmark here, I can't confirm that I did watch all that and Good Burger especially. So I, I'm well aware. Wow. Of that. Oh good. Yeah. Okay. How did you watch it? How did you watch this? Was I mean, there's new all that. I know that they made new ones, but like, yeah. I mean, I can still watch it. I did understand it as much later on. But funny thing about TV shows, oh. they would still rerun it forever because um, you know creativity is dead. So as a result, they just keep showing off all that. And just so, huh. say that you watched it on Nick at Night because that will make me feel ancient. <laughs> is Nick at Night still a thing? I don't know. Yes, I don't know. Not, I but love I... Lucy. It's stuff that we grew up with. <laughs> it's yeah, it's so friends. Bad. It's but literally it's, like friends, it's, it's, and it's, yeah, it's just rock it's like rocket power. Uh, great times, good times, rocket power. Huh. Brandon, yeah. I didn't realize you're only 25. That's so young. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, I love that reference. Saw that one too. Wow! All right, <laughs> Brandon. As we now have learned, is a cultured young man. Well done, Brandon. You just raised like I. You know, I didn't think you could raise even more in my book, but somehow you can. So, congratulations! You've raised like four burritos worth. Oh, thank oh. you. I want to make sure I can level up to the Chipotle burrito standards. <laughs> at, at least five stacks of good burgers. Yeah. <laughs> then we're going to find out if the cam lifter can actually do five stacks of hamburgers. But in the in the meantime, that's about it for us today. Uh, you know, thank you guys so much for joining us, Jeff, Jason, Brandon. Uh, hey, it's great. This is our first time on a on a on a podcast as as hosts together. This is fun. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks Brandon. for having me. It's been pretty good. Yeah. Brandon, we really appreciate you pinch hitting for us over the past couple of weeks. It's been great, man. And thank you, Kyle, also for doing so much to keep this going uh, while we were gone. Uh, The show must go on. And thank you for, for like the two of you for being so willing to do that. While Lindsay and I are eating Tukbucky in South Korea. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll just trade then. I'll just get a trip to Asia next time and have a nice little tour of duty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. We'll work on it. That sounds great. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest.